0: This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. Late summer in Iowa has its own distinct sound. If you can get away from all of the man-made noises in our environment, you can tune in to the songs of our native insect species, and some of them are are loud. To introduce us to the insects who are making all of that noise, Donald Lewis is here, Professor Emeritus of Entomology at Iowa State University. Donald, hello.
1: Hello, Charity. It's good to be back.
0: It is wonderful to have you here. And all right, let's talk about these insects that are making all of this noise. Donald, what are they talking about?
1: Well, there are three reasons most insects communicate. And number one, of course, is sex. And number two would be maybe a food supply or number three, sometimes insects communicate to communi- for safety reasons. But the singing insects of summer, the cicadas, the katydids, the crickets, it's really about sex. It's asking three questions. Number one, are you the same species that I am? Number two, are you receptive to my advances? And number three, how are we going to accomplish that for the perpetuation of the species. So it's what happens out in the real world, sex happens.
0: So I think a lot of us have a have a bias toward thinking about mammals when we think about wildlife and mating season for mammals tends to be early spring, but this is mating season for a lot of different insects, right?
1: It is, but insects well we have a, we have 10 million different kinds of insects to choose from. So we could find examples of everything. But by and large, insects have in Iowa, in the upper Midwest, have to prepare for the inhospitable weather that's coming. They have to get into a stage that will survive the winter. And for many of them, that means laying eggs, reproducing late in the summer so that there is a a nymph or a larval stage or an egg stage that will make it through winter. So it's about survival.
0: Now, there is this cacophony when when you go outside. So they're doing all of these very sophisticated things in uh, preparing for the success of their species to pass their genes along and all of that. But it does sound like a lot of noise when you go outside. And it's just so incredibly loud. Are they trying to communicate with insects that are pretty far away?
1: Possibly, or they are doing the opposite of saying this is me this is my space the rest of you move away apparently it doesn't work very well but that seems to be what some of them especially the males are shouting mostly i think you're talking about the katydids and there can be dozens of them per tree they are incredibly loud individually and when they start echoing back and forth one guy yells, this is my space. The guy on the next tree says, no, this is my space. The female between them says, would you two settle down, please? Uh, so there's a lot of back and forth, give and take. And one of the ways to get yourself noticed is to be louder than the others.
0: And what time of day do we start hearing katydids?
1: Katydids are sort of the very, very late afternoon, almost into dusk. And especially just after sundown is when they seem to reach their peak. And then they go for most of the night. They will um, be there at nine o'clock at night. When I walk the dog, there'll be some of them there at two o'clock in the morning. When I wake up to see what the dog is barking about. And, but the, it's that nine o'clock to midnight seems to be their peak time. And the Katydid did uh, are the ones that you hear in the trees. They're, Frequently high up in the trees. And it's that Katy did, Katy did, Katy did, did sound that um, we are familiar with.
0: Yeah, let's listen to the sound they make. That's a lot of them doing it all at once. Every once in a while, I'll get a Katy did in my house, and, and a Katy did all by itself can make a whole lot of noise that can get people out of bed at night.
1: Well, yes, and it's interesting to think how that noise is made. There is a little file on one wing, and there's a little scraper on the other, and as the wings slide back and forth, the file runs over the scraper, and it makes the same noise as if you ran your finger down, your your thumbnail down the teeth of a comb. But then... Their hollow little abdomen ex- echoes that sound. And then they hold their wings out like a megaphone to amplify the sound. And it gets pretty loud.
0: And they have incredible stamina because they can do it over and over and <laughs> over again. Uh, let's also talk about cicadas because I mean that's the sound of summer for so many of us.
1: And unfortunately, it's the sound of back to school for many people. <laughs> it's kind of the second half of the summer. I heard a few of them, maybe just a couple of them in June, but by July, um, you're starting to hear them, especially later in the month, and they will be there until frost, Uh, but the cicadas are are doing the same thing. They're making a noise to try to attract a mate, and they do that kind of late afternoon. Sometimes as early as noon, but more like late afternoon into dusk hours. And it seems like the cicadas give up about the time the katydids start. It's your turn the cicadas, now. Cicadas, <laughs> yeah. Cicadas are also quite loud, um, trying to outshout the next male.
0: Let's listen. And that's the the scissor grinder cicada, Donald. There are a bunch of different kinds of cicadas, and some years we have the you know a huge population that emerges, and then we won't see them for however many years. So, how many different kinds mm-hmm. of cicadas are there out there in in Iowa?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, um, maybe a dozen or so, but there are two major groups, and you've mentioned the periodical cicadas, which reemerge every. 17th year. And our next emergence, our next major emergence here in Central Iowa, at least, will be 2031 uh, when they will be back. And now they're waiting underground. The annual cicadas are the ones that we hear annually. That is, we hear them every year. Uh, They are green, they are larger in color, and they come out every year, even though they may have spent two to three years underground as a nymph. And when it's their time to be an adult, some of them come out every year, and those are the ones we hear.
0: All right. And, Len, let's talk about crickets, too, because I think, obviously, we hear crickets in the environment. They're one of those insects that if they get inside, they can drive you insane and they can be really hard to find. Um, but let's, why don't we listen to the snowy tree cricket? And what time of day do we normally hear crickets, Donald?
1: Um, It can vary with the species, and there are several different kinds, but the snowy tree cricket is usually late evening into sunset time. The one that gets into your house and chirps occasionally. The snowy tree cricket is known for its very regular, very evenly spaced chirps the field cricket that you get into your house is more likely to randomly chirp now. And then a little (laughs) bit later, it sounds like it's over there under the refrigerator, but no, now it sounds like it's in the kitchen sink. So they, um, it's not regular and pulse like that. Um, but field crickets are kind of all day, but again, more toward the evening. They're the black ones that are about an inch long that people are familiar with. Um, I guess I don't see as many of them as I used to, but uh, they're still around. They're still singing their song. They're still hoping for a mate to perpetuate the species again at the fall of the year. The female will lay her eggs. Those eggs will wait until next spring to hatch. So all that noise is to get to the next generation.
0: And crickets, when they're making their sound, they're, they're similar to katydids in what they're doing physically, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Crickets are like Katydids. They are relatives of each other, and they also are rubbing their wings together. Now, there's this myth that crickets rub their legs together, and I guess that might happen in an, an occasional species, but the crickets we have here rub their wings together. And it's that file brushing over the scraper, or the scraper jumping right brushing over the file that makes a clicking noise. That is so fast, we don't hear click, 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 click. We hear bzzz, and that's the how that sound is made. The cicadas, on the other hand, have a small drum on their abdomen, and they muscularly pop that drum in and out, like when you push down on a can lid during canning season, and when it goes down, it goes click, and when it comes up, it goes click, and you do that till it becomes a zzzz, And that's the sound they're making.
0: I I am just going to marvel one more time at the stamina of these insects because they can do that for hours. And I mean, for a cicada, that's a whole body movement (laughs) involved in that. It's really remarkable that they can make so much noise for so long. And and Donald, you mentioned not hearing as many crickets. Is, Is this a way that entomologists try to judge population levels by listening to that cacophony?
1: Entomologists remember that microhabitat and variations from place to place and variations from year to year are really important when you're trying to determine population levels. Another example of that is fireflies. I didn't see many this year, but I live in town. My friends who live out in the country said, no, it was a great firefly year this year. So where you are is an important consideration as you're making these assessments. Are there more or fewer uh, insects? statewide. We're looking at fewer Japanese beetles this year, but that um, may not be true for every individual gardener. But on general, that's the case. So year to year, year to year, very uh, place to place variation is so great that we have to be careful when we make these um, assessments.
0: And the most important question of the day, can you really gauge the temperature by the frequency of a cricket's chirp?
1: Boy, that's a great question. And This goes back as far as 1897 when a researcher was trying to figure this out. It turns out the important consideration is what cricket are you listening to? If you're listening to the snowy tree cricket, the sound that you played earlier, then yes, it does work out fairly nicely that the number of chirps in 15 seconds plus 40 will approximate the temperature in Fahrenheit. Now, if you're listening to a field cricket, that's not going you're to work for if you're listening to, <laughs> you're out of luck. But there are formulas for other species, which is interesting that people keep trying to make this work, I wish them luck.
0: <laughs> I have a thermometer at my house, so I'm just gonna keep using that. Donald Lewis-
1: I have a phone. <laughs>
0: Donald Lewis, Professor Emeritus of Entomology at Iowa State University. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Erin Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio Talk Show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety Newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.